Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving down the road by 8 o'clock in the morning all by myself. When I got distracted and looked away from the road... And that road has curved right there for all of these 26 years that I've lived in Conroe. That curve has always been there. And it was still there when I missed it. And I bounced over the curb and um, didn't look like it was too much damage to my car. Obviously, I ruined a wheel and tore up a tire. and So um, I... um, I got out and walked around it and decided, you know what I can do here? I can, I can change this out right here myself. And I can get a new wheel and new tire and nobody ever need know <laughs> about this situation. But I came across a situation that was smarter than I was when I tried to take the spare off the bottom of the little Lexus SUV. Because I needed an engineering degree just to take the tire off. (laughs) So um, as I was struggling to remove the spare to hide my sin, I looked up under the car and realized that another wheel and tire is not going to fix my situations in life. It turns out that underneath my car is about $2,500 worth of torn up items. And so when I came to a stop after my moment of impact, the Lord knows just how to deliver. Because when I came to a stop and, and got out and thought I could do all of that, I got back and sat in the car and say, okay, I need to get a wrecker service. So I'm sitting there talking to my Google, looking for a wrecker. When I look up, and somewhere in the past, the Lord had led an angel to put a wrecker sign about six foot in front of where I stopped after that impact. The Lord knew that one day, his servant would have torn up his car and would need help. And my car right now is very very broke. A common saying in our culture is this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And when I work on things too many times, I keep fixing it till it gets broker. That's just my talent levels. But the saying is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Meaning that if it's tolerably functional, if you can make it another day, don't mess with it. So this morning I've come to talk uh, simply about life. In these few moments that we spend together, I want to base my thoughts around broken a broken car and broken situations and simply share a title that maybe you will remember and that is, if it ain't broke, God won't fix it. If it ain't broke, God won't fix it. 
Because a lot of folk, they live their lives in this same manner. Their motto is, I'm doing okay. I'm getting by. You know, I had enough money to make it through Friday, and, and I'll make it another week. Life seems to be functioning okay. I don't have anything that needs fixing. I don't have any problems right now that brings me to the point of needing some outside help. But what happens so many times is you and I fail to realize that if we can't cognize or realize or acknowledge the fact that life is broke, then God's not able to help us with our situation. It's like the big boy who doesn't believe that he weighs 500 pounds. He's not going to go on that diet. It's, it's, like, um, it's like life. You've got to be able to acknowledge there's something going on in here. And I need some help on the inside. I heard about a recall notice that was served one time. You know how cars get recalled and things get recalled. The maker of all human beings is recalling all units manufactured regardless of the make or the year due to a serious defect in the primary and central component of the heart. This is due to a malfunction in the original prototype units codenamed Adam and Eve, resulting in reproduction of the same defect in all subsequent units. This defect has technically termed subsequential internal non-morality are commonly known as S-I-N, sin, as it is primarily symptomized by a loss of all moral judgment. Some other symptoms are a loss of direction, foul mouth, vocal emissions, amnesia of origin, a lack of peace and joy, selfish or violent behavior, depressions or confusions in the mental components and fear and even idolatry. The manufacturer who is neither liable nor at fault for this defect is providing factory authorized repair and service free of charge to correct this sin defect. The number to call for the recall station in your area is P-R-A-Y-E-R. That's prayer. Once connected, you upload your burden of S-I-N by pressing R-E-P-E-N-T-A-N-C-E, repentance. Next, you download J-E-S-U-S into the system. That is your heart. No matter how big, no matter how small the S-I-N defect is, this J-E-S-U-S download repair will replace it with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Please see the operating manual, H-O-L-Y-B-I-B-L-E. You remember that one from Sunday school? The B-I-B-L-E. But for, please see the operating manual, H-O-L-Y-B-I-B-L-E, for further details on the use of these fixes. Warning. Continuing to operate the human unit without correction voids the manufacturer's warranty, exposing owner to dangers and problems too numerous to list and will result in the human unit being permanently 
impounded. For free emergency service, call on J-E-S-U-S. Danger. Danger. Human, the human units not receiving this recall action will have to be scrapped in the furnace. The SIN defect must not enter heaven or else heaven will also be infected. Turn around and tell somebody, if it ain't broke, God can't fix it. But the good news about, <laughs> the good news about this sin defect is, we, is discovered by David when he's writing in Psalms. When, when, he, under, when, he, when he realized that he was fundamentally broken. That on the inside, he had issues on the inside that had to be dealt with. Oh, you know what his issues were. He, he had issues of looking where he shouldn't look and acting like he shouldn't act and doing what he shouldn't do. He had, he had issues like a lustful thought and immorality and lying and even murder. He had all of these things uh, that he had, he had acted upon in his sinful nature. And in Psalms chapter 34 and 18, the writer said these words, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. David had realized in the midst of all of his broken actions, that when he really acknowledged his brokenness, that the Lord is nigh unto them, that are of a broken heart. Let me just put it this way. If you're broken, God's not very far away. And if you can recognize and acknowledge that brokenness, He's just a little bit closer. As a matter of fact, whatever circumstances of life you deal with, if you can say, God, I am broken, He's as close as the mention of His name. That's just the way that he is. Psalms chapter 51 and 17 say this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. When we acknowledge our broken condition, that verse tells us that God will not, he cannot ignore a broken spirit and a broken heart. He, he, cannot, he cannot walk by somebody that says, I am broken. He cannot dismiss uh, what's going on in somebody's life when they realize, I am broken. That's the reason in the New Testament. There was a little lady came up to him one day and she fell down at his feet and began to say, Lord, uh, my daughter is, is filled with an unclean spirit. My, my child is full of the devil. And the Lord uh, at first ignored her, but the more he chose to ignore her, the more she cried out to him and the more she worshipped him. And God couldn't leave things like that. So we know that he touched uh, the daughter of that dear sh- of that dear lady, and, and he 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 transformed because he cannot ignore a broken heart. He cannot ignore the brokenness uh, in in your life, and and if you just show him that brokenness, uh, he will stop and he will deal with it. Our culture today uh, has come to think that when we talk about broken hearts, that uh, 
It's an emoticon that's got a red heart with a broken dashed line through it. And, and, and the broken hearts are kept at that shallow level. Our, our, our society today would consider a broken heart or a broken spirit as, as something that's, uh, that's not really, really serious. It's something that a trip to the doctor can fix. Uh, a few more meds can fix. Uh, this or that can, can be an antidote for that. Uh, but I suggest um, in the days that the Bible was written, broken meant something else. And broken meant something that had been violently separated into parts. Uh, shattered and damaged and fractured and violated, disrupted, made weak or made infirm, subdued, crushed, bankrupted, reduced in rank, cut off, disconnected, or complete, incomplete, and not full. Kind of like the underside of my cute little car that I like to drive around. Just torn up and all sorts of debris. And David realized when he wrote uh, these words in Psalms chapter 51 that God cannot ignore a broken heart. He recognized one thing. And that was, first off, uh, I'm broken on the inside. But not merely am I sad. Not am I just, uh, just overwhelmed a little bit but life. But I'm broken on the inside. And I'm not working correctly. I'm trying to deal with my own deep effects on the inside, but David realized that there was something fundamentally wrong with himself. But secondly, he came to realize by the time he got to the end of that verse, I might be fundamentally broken. I might have messed up situations. I might have broken parts on the inside, but God is attracted to my brokenness. I don't have to be perfect to get God's attention. But more than likely, the more broken I am, the more apt God is to stop by and check things out. God is attracted to our brokenness. Our brokenness, He won't ignore. Your brokenness, He won't despise. He won't walk by and ignore the fact that that's the reason He goes by Lazarus' tombs. He can't just be still. He brings Lazarus back to life. Uh, that's the reason he goes to the little girl's house that has passed away. He sees the brokenness of family, the brokenness of friends. He can't leave that alone. He's got to bring that back to life. And he sees the brokenness in every circumstance and situation that you deal with. And God is attracted to the broken things in your life. Uh, why is he attracted? Well, first off, he made you. He made you to be complete in him. He designed you to worship him and to love him but when your parts get broken and your insides are upside down and things are unsettled uh, he is in the business of of reaching into hearts that are broken and fixing the broken parts Uh, that's the reason he'll touch the blinded eye and make it see again because it's broke he wants to fix it that's the reason you read stories in the scripture of sickness that he healed and people that he encouraged because he saw he approached uh, he could not resist the brokenness that was in somebody and he decided I will straighten out that arm I will heal that eye I will make those ears to hear again I will take away that leprosy I will fix that situation because he's attracted he's attracted 
to brokenness. In Psalms 31, David would go on and write this words. I personally am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. He acknowledged the fact that I'm dead and I'm forgotten and my life has been broken. But you and I both know that God didn't leave him in that place. And he will not leave you in that place of brokenness and that place of disaster. But rather he will step into the middle of your world and he will talk to your heart and he'll transform your spirit and he will deal with the brokenness that's inside every one of us. This is something that brings me happiness and hope when I realize he loves me and he doesn't care that I messed up and he doesn't care that I'm a failure and he doesn't care that I've made a bad decision and he doesn't care the marks of shame that I carry in my life. That doesn't matter to him. He sees brokenness. He cannot resist the brokenness. You may have had the impression that God looks for perfect people. He doesn't look for perfect people. He made people. He made people to to be perfect. Uh, he is a perfect design. Uh, wherever how you think man came here, whether you think he came out of a big bang theory or whether he arrived in some other process uh, of a mutative process of, of an evol- of involving species, I suggest that God created man. He created this world and in it was a perfect design. But even amid the perfect design, there was a sin nature that had been placed there and it causes lives to be broken. It's that that flawed uh, sin nature that causes people to live in Huntsville in the prison. It's that sin nature in people that causes people to break other people. It's that sin nature in people that's that brokenness. uh, But God doesn't care how broken you are. You know, we right now in our society, if you just look at the newspapers, you just hear the reports for the last three or four days uh, when we've got, uh, we've got, you know, just a year ago, I, I got somebody fussed at me for talking about um, not black lives matter, but every lives matter. And somebody said, you ought not to say that. Well, now this pendulum has swung the other way. And what, we, what we're seeing in our society is we're seeing the brokenness of sin. We, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a, a race situation that's rising up. In our society. And it, we ought not to. We ought not to play into that. We ought not to be pulled and drawn into that. Everything that's happened. There are race baiters. And there are other political voices. That wants to rush out. And they want to make situations worse than they are. By trying to pit this one against that one. What makes this happen? It's because there's are, there are broken people. In this day that we live in. It's a broken society. But if you'll just let God. Walk by your broken self. He'll stop. He will turn, he will touch, and he will transform. Amen. In the Old Testament, uh, there was a constant war of good and bad. Israel would do great for a season. Israel would fall in sin and do bad for a season. They would have freedom. They would lose their freedom. And then they, then they would, then they would, it was this constantly, constant roller coaster back and forth. And and all through the illustrations of the Old Testament, things that were broken weren't allowed to be used. Uh, If an earthen vessel or a pot uh, in your house uh, had contained something 
something that was unclean. You had to throw it out and do away with the vessel. If you had leprosy, which was a, which was a disease of uncleanliness, if you had that, you had to be forced out of the camp. If that disease was found in your house, your house had to be torn down. But I suggest when Jesus came and walked the world, he saw men that had leprosy and he cleansed the leprosy and he fixed them. He sent them back to their home. He sent them back to their family. He fixed that thing, that unclean brokenness that was in their life. And what you find, that war of good and evil in the Old Testament, you find a fulfillment of that in the New Testament. And God reached down, Jesus reached down and brought transformation. He brought hope. And that's the reason the priest might have put the unclean person out in the Old Testament. But Jesus touched the unclean leper in the New Testament and sent them back to the priest. The same people that put them out. God says, you go back and show yourselves to them. What is it about this brokenness that God, God just wants to step in. He won't run from you. He won't avoid you if you're dirty. He won't avoid you if you're bad. He won't, he won't make the block to not have to come face to face with you. Rather, if he knows you're there, he knows there's brokenness. That's when he'll stop and he'll help you out. That's this God of ours. Brokenness and mess in our lives can be thrown at his feet and he'll stop and he'll fix the brokenness. That's the reason the woman that had made bad decisions, the bad mistake, and she was about to be stoned, her life was going to be taken because she had been proven unfaithful in her marriage. The law said, the Old Testament said, you can kill this person for doing this. But Jesus created that moment. He showed us something. Rather than destroy her, rather than destroy her in her brokenness, he looked at those men and he simply said, you men that don't have broken parts, you men that don't have situation in your life. You feel free to do this if you want to. And before it was over with, that woman and Jesus were standing there in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her mess, in the midst of the upheaval of her life. He looked at her and says, I don't condemn you. Just stop doing what you're doing and go live your life. He doesn't care how broken you are. He doesn't care how broken that you are. He wants to fix the brokenness. There's no sacrifice. uh, uh, No no sacrifice in the Old Testament uh, could be accepted if it was imperfect. And not only could an imperfect sacrifice. Lamb had to be be without flaw. But also uh, uh, there was in Leviticus a reading, a scripture that talks about how that you had to be basically perfect to come to the house of God and to the presence of God. You couldn't come into the presence of God. You couldn't go into the temple and worship if you had a birth defect, if you had a birthmark, if you had certain sickness in your body. You couldn't come uh, You couldn't come to the house of the Lord. Leviticus, let me just read it to you. 21 verse 17. Um, Speak unto Aaron saying, whosoever be of the seed of their generation that has any blemish, let him not approach to all 
offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man can't come in. A lame man, a guy with a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed. If you had one of these imperfections in your body, you were not allowed to come into the house of God and to worship. Verse 21, no man that hath the blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. If he has a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. You had to be perfect to come into the presence of God. But you know something? That was the Old Testament. But God didn't care how imperfect that they were. He could walk up to a man that had a blind eye. Instead of not letting him come to the presence of God, he would spit in the mud, smear mud in his face and tell him, go wash your eye. And that man was able to see again. He's not bothered by your imperfections nor your flaws. Rather, he's drawn to those things. Your brokenness and your imperfections and your flaws is something that he says, I can fix that. I can correct that. I can transform that. People are broken for many, many reasons. People are broken for many reasons and they get broken by many things. There are sometimes um, people get broken by other people. Think with me. Sometimes we get broken, uh, situations have broken us and relationships have, have broken us. Sometimes uh, circumstances beyond life break us. Uh, they, they, we just get broken because life was too much. Uh, you, you see this and many times veterans come home from war and they don't function well. Because something got broken inside of these good men when they were in combat. And, and we call it things, nice little clinical names like you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. But this is not something that's new. But Because if you think back with time, coming home from World War II and World War I and Korea, there were hobos all over America. And coming out of the Vietnam era, there, were, there was this thing that developed that we began to call a very dignified term called homelessness. And there were many of these men that are in that situation. They were men who fought in battle and saw some unbelievably violent things in war. And something on the inside got broken. And they come home and try to operate and live in a society as a normal person again when they'll never be normal again because they saw something that caused something to happen on the inside of them. And with all respect to these men that have served and they come back broken. You see, sometimes outward circumstances break us. And that's what happens with many men who've been to war. But some of you have been to war without going to war. Some of you went to battle without having to carry a gun or wear a uniform. But you were in a fight for your life. And for whatever reason, the pressures of life have, have gotten so great that you find yourself in meltdown modes because something, because of the pressures of life. Oh, we call it nice little clinical things like nervous breakdowns. We call it things like, you know, bipolars and other things like that that have clinical terms. But what it really is, is because of the pressures of life. There is brokenness that has happened on the inside of people. And my 
tonight I offer today, no matter how broken you might have become because of life or pressures or whatever has gone on, you might even have broken yourself along the way. Understand, this God of ours cannot resist the brokenness in a person. And he sees brokenness, he wants to come help. He sees He sees a storm, he wants to speak to the storm of brokenness that you might be dealing with in your spirit. Amen. Amen. It's like the story of the man, and I've preached from this story a thousand times over these years. But it's like that man who came to church that day, and when he arrived, uh, uh, he, he recognized that that passage in Leviticus applied to him because because he had a twisted hand. It was a twisted, a withered hand. He came to the house of God that day. And he was there. And God, uh, the Lord was in service that day. And, and when the Lord saw him as he was speaking, he calls that man out. And he begins to speak to that man. And he, he, he recognized that that man had this this withered hand. Uh, for some reason, his hand was twisted, and for some reason, uh, it was it, it was he was uh, his body was was physically was physically broken. And this man was there that day, and God, instead of saying, "You know, you're imperfect. You have no business in my house," instead, what he said was, "Hey, you, you're imperfect. Come up here and talk to me." That's what God does. When we show up in His presence, the fact that we show up says we're hungry. The fact that we show up says we recognize there's something that's not perfect in our lives. And when we show up, God will see you've got something that might on another day keep you out of my presence. And another day, you may not come to the house of God. But this is not another day. And this is not another situation. But you are here today, mister, and you've got that twisted arm in your life. Would you come up here and talk to me? I've got something for you. And when that happens, God says, I don't want to talk to you and I want to transform something. And so that man was faced with a decision that day when Jesus said, Sir, would you extend your hand? That man stood there that day and he could have extended the twisted hand or he could extend the hand he always extended to everybody else. There came a moment when he said, You know, here I am. I'm in the house of God. They didn't run me out. I'm in the house of God. They called me up. I'm in the house of God. The Lord is paying me attention. He's asking me to extend my hand to him now that places me in a place do I put with him do I extend to him my unbroken parts or do I extend to him my broken parts do I give him what is untwisted and unbroken or do I say God I am broken on the inside parts of me need to be straightened out parts of me need to be fixed there's stuff I feel broken I feel dirty I feel shamed oh God and I've come this morning to simply say if, if you can't acknowledge it's broke, then God can't fix it. But oh, when you stand there and you face that decision, do I do, do I extend what I always have? Or do I for once uh, uh, not hold something back uh, from man and from God and from society? This is the good news today. No matter how broken, no matter how messed up, uh, no matter how dirty, no matter how shameful, no matter how full of garbage life has been, God cannot uh, resist 
your brokenness. And he realizes until you admit that I'm broken, he can't fix you. But once you can say, oh, I am broken. I am upside down. I am messed up. I need the help of the living God. That's when he'll step up and he'll say, you know what? I'm about to fix you. I'm about to transform you. I'm about to change the circumstances of your life and of your spirit. The good news is, is no matter how you got broken, no matter what part of you is broken, God is willing to fix you. God is willing to fix you. You see, a couple weeks ago when this little thing started with my car, I didn't think I was broken too bad. So my idea was I can change this and nobody will ever know at a problem. That was my pride talking real loud. First off, I didn't want to face the reality because I had to face my wife. That was going to be painful. I was going to have to face my family. And they were going to laugh. And, you know, and, and all of this stuff that, that, that went with it because I have this pride that had risen up inside of me. Psalms chapter 147 and 3 reminds me, though, that God heals the broken in heart. And he binds up their wounds. If you're broken, God's got an ace bandage in the Holy Ghost. He'll wrap around. It's like the man who was on that trip that day in the New Testament. And he was fell on by thieves. And they assaulted him. And they violated him. And they left him laying in the ditch. to try. They tried to take his life. They, just, they tried to kill him. They just didn't kill him. They took everything that he had. He was laying there. And there was a man that came by that took notice of him and picked him up and bound his wounds and poured oil in them and carried him to a place. It wasn't important to that man who, who was laying in the ditch. It wasn't important really what had happened. There was something inside of him that said, as a broken man, i got to fix that. And that's God. He doesn't care where, who, what, when, or why. Because it doesn't, uh, there's a folks here that's got some checkered past. There's some folks here that's got some stuff they ought to be ashamed of. But thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers. It covers. As a matter of fact, as a graphic picture, red blood of Jesus covers black sin and brokenness and makes your life brand new and white. And such were some of you. But you were covered with the blood. See, the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He, he sent me to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. Jesus said that day, I have come to fix broken stuff. I have come to fix broken stuff. You see, when it comes to that moment that God is able to reach into your life and say, I see the brokenness, I can fix it. You know, I've talked quite a bit lately about what happened that day in the city of Jericho, and it seems like that I get a favorite character that I like to work on for a month or two, and then I'll pick on another character for a while, but 
But again, today, I see a startling picture of brokenness in two men in Jericho. Of course, there was the blind man, Bartimaeus, and there was the, the tax collector, Zacchaeus. But I want you to look at the kind of brokenness that they had. This man, Zacchaeus, was wealthy. This man, Zacchaeus, could make a dollar. This man, Zacchaeus, was... He operated well in society. He was, uh, because of his ability to function, he was a high-functioning. You ever heard that term, high-functioning? That's a very nice modern term for somebody that's messed up, but they, they get along okay in life. Some of, some of us were high-functioning sinners. Are you with me here? A uh, high-functioning alcoholic, a high-functioning drug addict, high-functioning because have these problems, these broken things in life, but still we can function okay. This man was a high-functioning individual. You see, he was what I want to call an up-and-outer. Now, we know the guy that was blind outside, he was poor. He got his healing. He'd be termed a down-and-outer, one of those poor folk, one of those guys that don't have much. The guy's down-and-out. He's down on his luck. It's not going well. And we're quick to talk about that, and we're quick to recognize those that are down-and-out. But I think the down-and-outers and the up-and-outers both have the same situations in their life. Because so many times the down-and-outers will say, I am so broken, God can't work with this. And the up-and-outers will say, I ain't broke, I don't have any problems. But the fact of the matter is this, uh, the up-and-outers and the down-and-outers both need the hand of the same God to fix the brokenness on the inside. Amen. So this morning, this morning I, I've, I know that I've not preached to you the point of, of response and of rejoicing, but I have brought you to a place of self-contemplation. And I want you to close your eyes with me. Because God has every intention to fix because he's drawn to brokenness. He's drawn to brokenness. So, up and outer, you're as broke as the down and outer. And you need the same God who cannot resist brokenness. Think about it with me. No matter how you got broke, no matter what got broke, understand something. God has been working on you for a while, and he cannot resist brokenness. Master in this room. You have dealt with me and you're dealing with others.